Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. You know, there is a connection between heaven and earth. What lies ahead in resurrection uh, places great responsibility on the present. If we truly believe that someday we're going to leave this world and we're going to be united with God in heaven, then our concern should be to lay up treasures in heaven while we are here on earth. The connection is real. The Apostle Paul makes it here in chapters 15 and 16 of 1 Corinthians. Now, we've spent an awful lot of time looking at these earlier chapters, and for intense purposes, 1 Corinthians does culminate in chapter 16 very practically, and that's what we're looking at here today on Study Verse by Verse, online at highlands.us. With a brief review, let's catch up with Pastor Leighton Sheely. And today's broadcast of study, verse by verse. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. As you're turning there, I'll remind you that uh, this letter was written to a church in Corinth in, that was in the midst of an exceedingly wicked, decadent, violent, hedonistic, and yet prosperous community. It was a community much like the one that we're in. It was also a seaport village, and therefore many of the cultures of the world were there as well. And those church members struggled to overcome uh, the influences of the culture around them and rise to standards of conduct that should reflect a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And like them, many of us continue to think and act like the culture in which we have been raised rather than like Christians. And so Apostle Paul wrote this letter uh, to give guidance to Christians on how to live in the midst of a godless society. Our church family has been studying this rich and fascinating book, gleaning absolute treasure from it in our knowledge of God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, uh, the church, to name just a few of the topics that have been covered. And now our attention is brought to the last chapter. Now, when we last met, uh, we wrapped up an 11-message study on spiritual gifts that was the primary focus of chapters 12 through 14. And we looked at how those spiritual gifts interact like the parts of a human body to function as the body of Christ, the feet, the hands, the mouth, and the supporting functions in fulfilling the ongoing ministry of Christ Jesus. We learned that every believer has at least one spiritual gift and that God intends for every spiritual gift to be active in the body of Christ in order for it to be healthy and strong. It is therefore of enormous importance that every Christian find out what their spiritual gift or spiritual gifts are and use them in the work of the church, the body of Christ. Now, as I mentioned, chapters 12 through 14 dealt with the subject of spiritual gifts. Chapter 15 covers the subject of resurrection. It has three subsections in chapter 15. The first subsection teaches concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the significance of that historical event. The second subsection teaches concerning the fact that we will also be resurrected. And the third subsection of chapter 15 describes our resurrected bodies, the bodies that we're going to receive, the new bodies, uh, when we leave this temporary 
body of flesh. Now, we covered chapter 15 during the Easter season, so we're going to move ahead then to chapter 16. We're chapter 16, verse 1 and following. Now, regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you should follow the same procedure I gave to the churches in Galatia. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. Now, when I come, I will write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems appropriate for me to go along, they can travel with me. So chapter 15 has been talking about the loftiest realms of thought and theology, talking about heaven and the life to come and our resurrected bodies. And, and then Paul turns right around in chapter 16, and he deals with the most practical things and the most practical way, the everyday life of this world and administration of the church. William Barclay, the great commentator writer, says that there is no reach of thought too high for Paul to scale and no practical detail of administration too small for him to remember. He was very far from being one of those visionaries who were at home in the realms of theological speculation and quite lost in practical matters. Now, there might be times when his head was in the clouds, but his feet were always planted firmly on solid earth. You know, there is a connection between the two, between heaven and earth. What lies ahead in resurrection uh, places great responsibility on the present. If we truly believe that someday... We're going to leave this world and we're going to be united with God in heaven. Then our concern should be to lay up treasures in heaven while we are here on earth. Now, the New Testament teaches the purpose, the primary purpose of giving is the support of the saints, the church. The Christian's first obligation is to support fellow believers individually and collectively. The church's first responsibility is to invest in its own life and mission and its own people. Now, obviously, that's not the only financial obligation we have. The parable of the great, of the Good Samaritan makes it clear that we should minister personally and financially to anyone in need, regardless of religion, culture, or circumstances. In Galatians 6.10, Paul teaches that we should do good to all men, but then continues in that same verse to say, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So support of the poor and needy in the world is a high priority for Christians based on scriptural standards. Now, he begins this chapter by dealing with the collection for the poor saints at Jerusalem. We're not told why they are poor. It could have been the famine that's mentioned in Acts. It might have been because of the, of the swift growth of that church and the fact that many Jews in Jerusalem had to give up their jobs and their families and, and other things in order to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We're not told exactly why they were poor in Jerusalem, but it could be either one or a combination of those reasons. But it's obvious that this matter was very dear to the heart of the Apostle Paul because he mentions it in many places. He mentions it here in 1 Corinthians. He mentions it again in 2 Corinthians, in Galatians, in Romans, and it's also mentioned in Acts. Now, in the ancient world, there was a form of brotherliness. Uh, in the Greek world, the, uh, there was associations called Aranoi. And if a person fell on difficult times, then their friends would get together and they would make a collection to raise an interest-free loan to help that person that was in need. And not only did the Gentiles have such a practice, but the Jews did as well. The synagogues had officials that were appointed to collect from those who had and shared with those who had not. 
Oftentimes, Jews who went abroad and prospered would send envoys back to Jerusalem to make gifts to the temple and to the poor. And so the Apostle Paul did not want the Christian church to lag behind either Gentiles or Jews in their generosity. But to the Apostle Paul, it was this collection for the poor in Jerusalem was more than that. It was a way of demonstrating the unity of the church. It was a way of teaching those believers in Corinth that they were not only members of a congregation, a local congregation, but they were also members of a larger church as well. It was a way of also putting into effect the teaching of Christianity. The teaching of Christianity is that we ought to be concerned with other people. Why is that? Well, because of the model that we have. Jesus Christ left heaven in order to meet our needs. And he is our model. If he was to leave heaven to meet our needs, we should also meet the needs of others as well. It is really important that our church family never become myopic. That is, looking only to our own concerns. We are part of a greater body that is at work throughout the world and in our local community. Last week, I had the privilege of meeting with a couple of our local pastors, and I am convinced of their humility and godly spirit and dedication. And this coming year, I want us to find more ways where we can work together as churches here in the community in reaching our, our San Bruno with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of those churches developed a summer literacy program to help struggling students here in San Bruno. And through that outreach, over a dozen young people came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You know, I think we can partner with that church in that outreach. I think there would be many believers in our congregation that would be excited about this opportunity uh, for ministry. Highlands is part of a larger work that God is doing in the community. And through this collection in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the Apostle Paul underscored to the church at Corinth that they were part of a larger church, and we truly do need each other. Now, it's been pointed out that in various letters and speeches, Paul uses no fewer than nine different words to describe this collection. Here he calls it a legia, which means an extra collection, something which is a given above and beyond, above and beyond the tithe. Sometimes he calls it a charis, such as he does in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 3. It, 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 it describes a gift that is freely given, something that comes out of the overflowing heart of love. Sometimes he uses the word koinonia, such as in 2 Corinthians 8, 4. Koinonia means fellowship. And the essence of fellowship is sharing. And so it's a, a paradigm that whatever we have, we've been given by God, and we've been given it for the purpose of sharing. Sometimes he uses the word diakonia, such as in 2 Corinthians 8, 4, 9, 1. Diakonia means Christian service. The kindred word is diakonos, from which we get the word deacon. Deacons in the church do service for the church. And sometimes uh, our money can go or we can't. And so we are able to serve God where we personally can't go through our donations. He also uses the word hadrotus, which means an abundance in 2 Corinthians 8. In that passage, Paul speaks of the envoys of the church who will accompany him to guarantee that he does not misuse the abundance that he has been entrusted with. See, Paul was concerned that there be no perceptions of any evil or misuse of the funds that he'd been entrusted with. 
And that's why we as a church family are also very, very particular in how we handle funds so that there can be no accusations or perceptions of evil. Sometimes he uses the word eulogia, which means bounty. And sometimes he uses the word liturgia in 2 Corinthians 9.12. By the way, that word is very special. It was used in classical Greek uh, to describe citizens of Athens who would give of their own funds in order to support efforts that benefited the city, such as they might hire the actors for a drama that the city was going to come out with, or they might give towards a sports team that the city was going to send to the Olympics, or they might uh, fund a, a militia, the training and the tools that were necessary to protect the city from peril. But it was investing in your kingdom. And so Paul uses the term as though we're investing in our kingdom, not an earthly kingdom, but the kingdom of heaven. How this life and the one to come are so intertwined. God really is amazing in his creation, isn't he? This has been Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Generosity of the Saints is the title of our message. Would like to know more, we invite you to visit us online at highlands.us, highlands.us. Tomorrow, more of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Join us then for study verse by verse.